Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Hayden Oakley. This is the Alt Ego Podcast. Uh, this is the Chris Vernon extravaganza. Um, <laughs> I talk about this guy a lot in the show. Uh, so do my guests because he is the man in Melbourne. Um, he's just a man in general. Fucking love this dude. He is a lot of fun, good mate. Just, yeah, I don't know. This is a pod to listen to because this guy is... I don't know, he's the man, bro. He's, he's a fucking... He's the guy. And and we have a good time. We have a lot of jokes. I think I, I have to cut out a lot of things in here just because we talk a lot of shit. But um, that, that's a problem for future me after I edit this, <laughs> this episode. Um, yeah, anyway. This guy's a professional. He's a musician. He's a producer. He's a all-around, like, great guy. Um, he's in... Bellhaven, but more importantly to me, because I prefer that band, uh, Better Half is his like solo, oh, not really, so, no, it's his other band. Anyway, it's really fucking sick, very epic, heavy metal, rock and roll music. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, uh, if you're a fan of the show, let's, let's like chat, talk to me on Instagram. Um, don't really worry about the Facebook because who uses that? Um, send me an email if you're still in 1995 or I don't know, maybe send me some mail. Um, I'm not going to put my address in here because I feel like that's a bad move, but you can, you can guess, I guess, (laughs) you can guess my address, send me some letters. Um, yeah, anyway, let's get into the show. This is part one or two with Chris Vernon. Yeah, I was like, basically, like, don't come in and invite me to an orgy whilst I'm on the podcast. Or maybe do, you know, it's content, um, you know. (laughs) 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 Fucking controversial podcast. Um, Cassie says hi. Hi, Cassie. And and also, when I said I was, like, 25 minutes late, Darcy's like, are you surprised? (laughs) I was like, fuck off, dog. Nah, this is nothing. Like, I had some people, like, pull some shit on me, so it's, it's fine. Fucking, I need to start, like inviting more people on though because i had like people like lined up i just didn't put one up last week i just haven't posted anything about it but um i was supposed to put one up on last week and like just cons just constantly canceling and shit i'm like fucking please Damn, just man. i like if you don't want to do it that's cool just don't do this whole like oh yeah dude let's do it and it's like oh, actually nah also i'm busy for the next 15 years so i was like bro you could have just said i'm not keen like I, I gave you the out i'm like if, if now's not a good time just say the word and we can like do something yeah. better and it's like I, I, I try and make it as easy as possible for people to say no because it's like yeah. it's a weird thing being asked to do a podcast and it's like people uncomfortable with it but um yeah dude for sure for sure for sure but man, I, I don't know, like people just can't socialize, especially because of lockdown as well. Everyone's just like forgotten how to talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the fool's on them. I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So I'm going to get this thing started properly. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no. Actually, no. Fuck you, dude. How dare you like, <laughs> have a conversation with me? God damn it. We're here to do a podcast, not talk. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, look, fair. Fair, fair, oh, fair. This is okay. serious business, bro. I feel like that's a good enough intro. That was pretty funny. I'll let that stick uh, in. Bro, we'll, you we'll froze. Stick with that. No, I didn't. You froze. Bro. You there? Come back, bro. No. <laughs> I can hear you perfect. Okay, there you go. I can I can hear you again. It's like you were like moving your mouth and nothing was coming out. And then all of a sudden you like just stood still and I was like... 
oh no, is it my computer crashing again? Nah, that was weird. It's <laughs> like, I, I could like hear everything you were saying perfect. I'm like, no, <laughs> come back. Weird, dude. Okay, well, whatever. If yeah. that happens, that's just life, man. That's yeah, fucking dude, Australian internet, dude. I'll just yeah, get yeah. you to talk I enough like that it, like, we can just like ride through that. <laughs> bro, you know me. I can fucking talk, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, cool. So, let's get into it, man. So, fucking, we are in Melbourne, Victoria. We're at the end of like big lockdown-y boy. How are you doing? Um, actually really good. It's it's super strange because so many people like struggled so bad with lockdown, and I obviously had like a shit phase, but it was um it's kind of like I think because I'm such a homebody anyway that it was kind of like nice, like yeah. not feeling bad, being like yeah, I don't really like want to hang out tonight. Like I just was just like, oh, guess no one's inviting me to have beers because no one can. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, like, because no one knows what I'm doing at any point ever because no one's doing anything. Like, I never had any obligation to do anything with anyone. Yeah, and I so guess. so, it was kind of, like, the same as usual, but just less socializing. And so, when you're like yeah. me, that's kind of a good thing. <laughs> yeah, dude. I feel like there's, I don't know, there's, like, a small percentage of people that are just, like, you know, this is actually pretty sick, not having social pressure for, like, the first time in, like, years. I mean, like, I was kind of, yeah, like, similar because, like, I don't know, I, I feel like going out is like such like a mental preparation involved and just like not having that for a while it's like good it's like mm-hmm. reset and it's like now i'm actually keen to go see people and shit and it's like i don't know it's a it's a weird change to to be in that mindset i guess yeah i i wonder if it's like the whole um what's that super old saying where it's like don't know what you got don't miss gone. something into yeah yeah that's yeah, what yeah, yeah. i was thinking of that really old song i think it's like it's that's by that What's the song called? Pam Paradise, put up a parking Oh, my God. What, what is that song called? Yeah. Because doesn't he say that line in that song? Yeah, yeah. He's like, don't it always yeah. seem to go? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the song. I just couldn't remember what the, what the line was. I was like, I'm sure it's in that song. Yeah. And 100% <laughs> like this fucking podcast has been copyright strike. Thanks for that, Chris. Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, shit. Fair, so, fair, fair. Um... On the pod, like this, the whole like kind of purpose of this show is like to talk about how people who are in creative industries or in creative positions in like this alternative music scene and like understand how they got started and like their journey to develop to like where they are and some challenges that were faced along the way and how those are overcome. Um, and so, pretty much to kick everything off, man, I just want to know how you got started. I, I was actually doing my, you know, very intensive research and I was looking on your website, cvernandproducer.com, hit them up. Um, That's the one. <laughs> and I went to the about page and you still got like this beautiful fucking Joey Sturgis era fucking neckbeard happening. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it's so bad. Oh, I love I it. I just though. look Don't skinny in that it. photo though, so I like it. I'm like, oh, my face looks skinny here, so I'll just keep it man who cares (laughs) even though i have like the worst neck beard and part of my head shaved off and my hair's all wispy like i look skinny so it'll do do. (laughs) (laughs) well i was i was reading it and it said um christopher has been writing his own songs since the age of 10 and is a passionate lover Mm. of music so tell me 10 years old i'm guessing that's when things kind of first kicked off for you you're like yeah i'm gonna make some shit (laughs) Okay, so 
The whole music thing started because this this might be one of those things where the way I remember the story will be like 80% correct because obviously like my memory when I was eight versus my parents is probably wrong. There's been a bunch of things growing up that I'm like, this totally happened. And mum's like, no, it kind of happened. What's all the extra shit you added in? <laughs> so it's like, this is my recollection of how it happened, but it may not be 100% accurate. That's but it's okay. Close enough. The Victor writes history. Let's go, boys. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so we, we, we would go on, we had these family friends that were like musicians. And my parents are both musicians. My mom's a singer and she's really good at piano. And my dad's been in a bunch of rock bands growing up. He's like, He's very he's he's pretty good at bass. He's he's not like incredible, but he was quite good when he was younger. And he's just like a he just loves music. Like he's that dude that will like listen to Joy Division and like dissect every single vocal line and talk about the meaning of the songs. And he just like loves melancholy feeling. Like he just loves sad songs. And he's always loved that weird indie grunge stuff. So I was always like listening to heaps of music growing up, but I was never like musical myself except for liking music. And then so we we had these friends that had a holiday uh, holiday house in Anglesey, and um, they would let us go there for like a week or two at a time. Sometimes I don't know if it was free or what the situation was. I was so young, I don't care about the money when you're ten years old. Doesn't exist. And we go there, and yeah, exactly. Money doesn't exist. Like rent, pff, food, pff, <laughs> it just exists. Bro. Yeah, mum, middle just class family. One. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Middle class family. You basically get anything you want apart from like a Porsche. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we were there and we had this like family like nylon acoustic classical guitar um, that mum and dad had had for like a while. And they brought that with us to the holiday house thing. And uh, <clears throat> I was bored. Like they went to the beach. I was never like huge on the beach. Yeah. And so sand. they'd gone to the beach. Bro, sand just gets in all the fucking... It gets bro. everything. Fuck Sam. Continue, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I was, bro, this all happens so much. I'm sorry in advance. We're just going to talk random shit. We always do. But um, so they went to the beach and me and my oldest brother, James, and I think my mum, we all stayed back at the, the, the beach house and there was like a box of like tape cassettes that my dad had. That was, it was just like a little like I don't know like a cardboard holder thing and it had like 10 tape cassettes in there and I don't know what was on them um but they were like slightly different heights or something because all the cases were like different heights and I had this like collection of rubber bands and I was just like messing around like had no intention of doing anything and of course you know everyone knows the classic trick of like flicking a ruler on the desk at different things and it makes like different notes it was like the same kind of concept where I'd figured like I still don't even remember it in my head exactly how it works but it was like it was wrapped around the box at different angles and over the different heights of the cassettes and when i flick each like 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 rubber band it was like a slightly different pitch note and i was like i was like fiddling around with it and it like clicked in my head that it was that song i mean i always thought it was like from Smash Mouth or whatever, from like uh, Shrek, like the I'm a Believer, which is actually by the Monkees. But as a kid, I didn't know who the Monkees were. I just no, knew it was Shrek. like the song from Shrek. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like Shrek wrote the song, bro. <laughs> so I was like, I like kind of like played these notes and I was like, oh, this is like, and I fiddled with it and I figured out how to play like, and, and I just was kind of like humming along and I was like, yo, James, check this out. I figured out how to play that song from Shrek on these rubber bands. James was like, 
that's sick. What the hell? And then James is like, wait, I'll teach you how to play it on guitar. So he just like had the guitar and he like, like we, we had that classic like chord thing where it would have like the lyrics mm. and then it would have like above the part, like what the chords would be. And of course he wasn't going to teach me chords, but he was like, so this is G. He's like the third fret on this string is like, and you pluck the string. It's this thing where I'd like, I'd, I'd just like put pressure on the string and flick it. So every time I'd play a note, I'd flick the guitar. So it'd be like, f-dum, f-dum, f-dum. <laughs> and so I learned to play. I, I like learned this thing by he was teaching me all the notes, and I learned to play. Then I saw it, and I'd be like, and I could play this whole song in like I don't know how how long it took me. But I was like ten years old. And, like, I could, like, do it as, like, in time and stuff. And, like, it sounded kind of dumb because of the flicking thing. But in my head, James, like, in my memory, James was like, hey, mom, check this out. Chris can, like, play this song. He just, like, I just, like, showed him how to do it. And he could play it on guitar. And I was like, this is fun. And then so when we got back from the holiday, um, my dad had this old, like, disassembled, like, three-quarter nylon acoustic thing. So he, like, glued it all together and, like, fixed it up for me. And we, like, tuned it. And I just started like messing around in this like three quarter or like half size acoustic, like nylon guitar thing. And I don't know how long I had it exactly. Cause again, like my like memory of like the time periods is so weird. Cause like when I was a kid, I wasn't like, oh, I just figured out how to play a song. I'm going to be an audio engineer in touring bands. Like yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a thing that I cared about like the time periods. Like people talk about their history and I was like, I don't, f- I was like 10 or something. Like, and then, uh, so I did that and I started actually like learning. It was still single string stuff. And then my parents were like teaching me how to like do chords. And I was still always using my finger. I didn't learn to use picks for like three years or something. I'd been playing guitar for like three years before I learned to use plectrums. Um, and so I had that. And then my dad was like, oh, you've been playing for like X amount of time. You should probably get like a full size guitar. Otherwise, you're just going to always think guitars are like small. So he got me my first like guitar that he bought me was like a semi-acoustic like steel string. And Mm. instantly I was just like, this is not fun to play. The strings hurt. Like it's so big. Can't hold the chords properly. Like, but then I got used to it and I learned to like finger pick. And then I think I was probably like 12 and my dad bought me this like blue it's, like, one of those cheap, like, now I think they're called, like, Legacy. You buy those, like, starter packs and it comes yeah. with, like, a little amp and stuff. And so, I got that electric guitar and it was called Monterey, I think. And it was, like, blue and just looked like a <gasps> I crappy know that Strat. One. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually used it in, in Bellhaven for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, in, like, really early days because I had it for so long. It was, like, the only electric guitar I had. And then I actually sold that to... I sold that maybe, like, seven years ago to... Uh, originally like a Bellhaven fan mm. and then he became a client and we used that guitar to record his first record. That's crazy. And then, and then he became like a really good friend. He's like married. He's like having a kid soon. And we're just like actually really good friends. He's like, his wife was like my dietitian for a bit. Like That's when I started crazy. my meds and I was struggling with my weight. So it's like super weird, like literally stemmed from him liking my band and buying that guitar, like super weird thing. But, uh, but, but that, that guitar now is like, 18 years old or like 16 years old, like my math's so bad, like 16 years old or something. I think he still has it. Um, but yeah, so I had that guitar, had it for a while. And then late high school when I was like 16, mm. by this point I'd learned to like, I'd learned to like play with a pick and I got rid of my stupid, like smacking the guitar thing. I think you need to bring um, it back. 
Oh, dude. Oh, bro. <laughs> no, no, when I still play bass, I struggle. If I'm playing my fingers, <laughs> I struggle not to smack it. I don't know why. Like, when I play guitar, it doesn't happen. But, like, with good. bass, it's just, like, just something about it. It's, like, smacking. I don't know. But, yeah, so I, then I got my rare guitar. Anyway, this, is, this isn't about the history of my guitars. But, anyway, so I got my first electric guitar. And then classic, like, 14-year-old early high school, I fell in love with, like, what I perceived as, like, emo music, like, Flair yeah. Boy, uh, Hawthorne Heights and stuff like that. Um, and all those years prior, I'd, um, I, I liked playing other people's songs. Like I like playing covers, but I got some enjoyment of just like messing around with the guitar and trying to write songs. And I try to write like, I would like, I knew I couldn't really sing or like, I'd like to think that I could sing. And when I was in like grade mm. five or six, I had this birthday party and I'd written this song for a girl. It was just a terrible, like yes! this girl's name, <laughs> dude, this is like the the weirdest story like looking back on it now it's like i was probably like 11 or 12 and do you remember jack johnson had that song i, th- I think it's jack johnson taylor. it was called like taylor or like yeah, yeah, yeah. right so this this girl's name was taylor i don't even remember like i think i found her on instagram like seven years ago and i was just like man i'm so sorry for embarrassing you at my birthday party <laughs> but i basically done like a terrible rip off of this song for her and then tried to sing it for these people at my party. And I just remember everyone just like leaving and being like, what the fuck is this? And just going outside at my party when I'm playing guitar and trying to sing. And it was just Ooh. like so awkward. And then I was like, oh, I'm never going to sing in front of people ever again. And then fucking years later, better half's the thing or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I was just like burnt. I was like, I'm never going to sing. And but I still all, just liked- that happened? So I was still in primary school. So it would have been like 11 or 12. I was gonna, so I was like I'll, pretty I'll really early. Like, going to say like- 14, 15 years old. <laughs> like, oh, I happened 19. Like, <laughs> so I was kind of burnt from ever trying to sing. And then um, yeah. I tried to sing again on and off for years. But I just, I don't know. Like, I just wasn't yeah. confident. So the tone wasn't there. Yeah. But yeah. So I did that. And I, like, then I got into Rage Against the Machine and then Full It Boy. Like, it was just like a, like the kind of like general, like classic, like teenager going through different phases of music. Those two. Then in like my late high school, I got into like metal, like Parkway Drive and some death metal bands and stuff. Um, Real epic bands. But I always, what was that? Real epic bands. Bro, like the best shit. But, like, I just pumped that stuff. But whilst I would learn some of their songs, I would always probably, like, write twice as many songs as songs that I'd learn. Mm. And I'd kind of use the the chords and ideas from songs that I liked or that I'd learned to create my own songs. So, like, I still even kind of do it to this day. Like, mm. there's a new song recently. Like, I mean, like, there's the classic case of, like, the accident, like this one's actually Witness? accidental, but of course the sister-in-law one. Oh yeah. The fucking, that breakdown is literally like one chug different than like an August Burns Red <laughs> song, which was, was one of my favorite records growing up. And so I thought like four years later when I wrote this song that I'd like written this sick breakdown and really it was just like in the back of my head from a song I listened to you growing up. You just remembered it without and realizing. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like two years later after everyone's like, bro, it's just August Burns Red. I thought it was like a different song everyone was talking about. I was like, bro, it's way different. They're both just 6'4". And then one day David was like, bro, that, that's not the song people are talking about. It's this song. And I was like, oh my God, it's the exact same breakdown, dude. And I was like, oh, that's so awkward for so many years. I'm like, everyone's dumb. Like, it's not even the same. And now I'm like, it's literally the same breakdown. <laughs> I ripped off an August Burns Red song. It was like, you guys just don't understand music for like two years. And I literally ripped off a song and just wasn't conscious of it. Oh, um, but yeah, so so anyway, I was like always like learning songs. I like wrote this stuff. And then 
from about the age of like 14, I'd kind of started what was like a super early version of, of Bellhaven. Like I'd written these songs. I had all these like different like genres that I wanted to mash. And it's like, if you've listened to like extremely early Bellhaven, like 2010 demo chapter and zero. EP. Yeah. Chapter zero. Like that is like, I still think it's actually a really cool record considering I was like 15, 16 when I yeah. wrote it. Cause obviously I'd been, I'd been writing for such a long time and I still think it's pretty good. Obviously if I was producing that now as my current self, different. I'd probably work on like, yeah, I'd, b- I'd be like, this structure's kind of fucking shit, but okay. But like the riffs were cool and it had cool energy and attitude but like so I'd written these songs and uh I had had like I was just like all throughout high school I was like I went to a school where it was like it was really split between like western white kids like because I went to school at Templestowe College Mm. so around that Doncaster area it's really like really multicultural of like the whole like Asian community and then also like Greeks and Turkish and Lebanese and stuff. So it was like, my school was like such a mixed bag of like backgrounds. So there was like, not really anyone that listened to like heavier music or even anything that was like, I mean, like people would listen to Nickelback and be like, bro, this is so heavy. Yeah, I was like, what? I was like, you have never heard like Parkway Drive. And people just thought I was like some weirdo. Yeah. And so there was like me and this like other kid that like liked Fallout Boy. And so he played bass for my band for a bit. Yeah. And then Ramon, who was actually from year eight up until the first couple of years of Bellhaven, he was actually the drummer, like when it became Bellhaven. But it was like that that band just evolved from like one band I tried to start in like year eight, basically. And it yeah. changed names and I'd like recycle songs and reuse them. And it finally became I think it was like when I met that right combo of people that were like a specific age and they were, they cared about it enough. Cause you know, like obviously when you finish school, you meet new people mm. and you realize like, man, like there's actually way more people that are into the shit that I'm into. But cause I went to a place where like, there was like next to no white people anyway, that were like more likely. I mean, like there's still going to be like ethnic people and Asians that are like emos, but the chance of it is like so much lower because yeah, in I those mean, countries, like that's not like, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, I mean, like, like Ramon's, like, half Spanish, half Malaysian, but he was, like, like I think because Malaysia has such a, like, weird multicultural thing anyway, and he was just kind of, like, that quiet kid at school that he kind of, like, latched onto us because we were nice to him, and so he became yeah. a part of that thing just subconsciously. So, I told him to play drums, you anyway, know, blah, blah, blah. So, it just became, it just kind of, like, evolved. There wasn't mm-hmm. any, like crazy points it just like i kept writing songs and i kept learning new chord ideas and i I never really knew like scales and i had Mm. like a rough understanding of reading music i didn't really like i came up with my like i'm sure a lot of people do this now but i came up with my own concept of reading music which was like reading musical notation and tab at the same time so my eyes would use the notation for the timing and then I'd use the tab for like what the notes were being played. So I, I would fully not be conscious of like the actual like note on the on the like on the notation. So I'd be like reading the two things at once. And so I got super used to that. So I used to always write in Guitar Pro and stuff because I never was like an audio engineer. Yeah. Um and so anyway, yeah, that that just evolved. And of course, because I was constantly, just like with anything, like yeah. when you're constantly doing something, you go from like, regardless of your age, if you're like 35 and you start writing songs, it's like going to be the same as like from 35 to 40, that those years of constantly writing songs every day of your life, if you like have that time to do that every day. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the songs you write at 40 if you're getting constructive criticism, they're going to be better than when you're 35. And the same concept of like when you're 10 to 15, 
the fact that I wrote Chapter Zero when I was 15, I'm sure... I mean, there's, there's people like Ethan from Thornhill. He was writing crazy stuff when he was 15 as well. Yeah. Um, but, he's, but, but he's also that classic case of, like, he liked writing things. He liked the idea of just, like, messing around. And I don't think he's classically trained either. And it's, like, that classic case of, like, not knowing what you're doing is kind of, like, fun in that mm. regard. And then obviously it like evolves and like Ethan is the same now and that he has these like ideas, the way things work. And he said to me once before that it's like, sometimes he just like hears stuff. Like his, his, his ability to just like, he'll write a riff and then be like, oh, I just hear this other thing with it. And it will have some weird keyboard thing he's doing. And it's like, man, like you can't really teach people that thing. That's just that thing that your brain exists in like the same way that some dude can do like 42 multiplied by 87 yeah. in like that. It's like, I can't do that, but I can listen to a song and be like, I don't like this part, but I know that if I put this in, I'll like it. Like, yeah. it's just yeah. one of those things that like, there's like practice the makes Matrix, better. And- you know, you just got to fucking, you know, download those fucking audio files in your <laughs> Bro, brain. Bro, yes. <laughs> is that's, if, if fucking, oh, what's that? I can't remember what that show is, but like there was this, sh- it isn't the Matrix, but like something like the Matrix, where it's just like, yeah, they just like, like just around that shit long enough, and eventually they just like absorb like all this fucking information that just like makes them like ten times better at like whatever is doing. People are like, what the fuck? And it's like, I feel like mm-hmm. that's so true for music. Like, it's one of those things where, like, there is so much that you just can't learn classically. It's like one of those things where it's just like you spend enough time in the Matrix, and you're just going to be able to start seeing the ones and zeros. Yeah. Dude, 100%, man. And it's just like, dude, even like the the classic thing I say about like, well, I don't say this, everyone says this, but like if you study media, like you're like in like the film industry, there's so many more things that when you watch a film that you would see that the normal person wouldn't. Yeah. So it's like a blessing and a curse. Like, I mean, it's the same with like, you would know, even though you're not a mix engineer yourself, from being in a band and doing mix revisions, you're conscious of the mixing process. So then even when you're listening to bands you listen to, if there's like something to you that doesn't sound like what a snare should sound like, you start getting distracted by a snare. <laughs> Whilst uh, someone that doesn't, like someone that isn't a band that hasn't done the mix process before, just hears music, unless it sounds like trash and someone can tell it sounds like trash. Mm. But most people either just get the vibe from the song or they don't. Um, and so I think it's the same thing where it's like, as, as you're saying, like when you absorb it, it's like you just you just pick up and you notice more things. It's just from being around it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's the same thing. Like, as I said, I didn't think there was any, as, as much as I could draw out the story and try to make it seem like some crazy thing, it's, it's just a classic case of like having a bit of a natural knack for it and yeah. just spending so much time doing it. Like all I really ever did was like played video games, be socially inept through most of my high school years, um, not know how to talk to girls and play my guitar and try to write music. And so it just becomes that thing, man. And yeah. there's so many dudes like, I mean, classic example is like Declan White. He's an incredible engineer. And like every day, all day, he'll like step to dumb hours, like trying like weird EQs he saw a review of on the internet and just like, googling just like but like then you hear something like he's he's done you're like man like you are so ahead of the game because you spend like 12 to 14 hours every day like and like we used to hang out and he would just we would just talk shit about something that he'd like fucked around with in reaper and then he'd show me and he'd just be like bro how sick this i was like 
man, how do you interact with people outside of like your audio engineer friends? Yeah. Like, because you live and breathe it, but it's like, you just become that. So again, it, it, it wasn't some crazy story of like, uh, and then I realized that my brain's huge. I just spent so much time doing it that I think I developed like, I mean, like you used to argue, I'm not a great songwriter if you don't like the songs I write, but mm. I think based off, uh, I guess my folio of artists that I've written for and my own stuff. Like, I don't think you can say I'm a bad songwriter and that there's definitely merit to my confidence in like my songwriting ability. You know what I mean? Pretty bold, my friend. Pretty bold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm basically the best, bro. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no. I, it's, it's just one of those things. Like there's no, there was no magic, like incredible story. It's just like, I just grew up around. Yeah. Music I mean, it's like, you, you fucking musical. put like literally, I don't know, like at this stage, like, fucking 15 to 20 years roughly like into mm. this fucking creative yeah i, I don't want to like i want to like kind of wrap it all together like doing the band like the audio engineering songwriting all that shit like you kind of like pretty much made this whole thing your life like the last 15 years and it's like you know yeah. it, it shows it's and it's like i find it interesting because i've listened to like the chapter zero record and like when i found out that you're like 15 when you wrote that i was like what the f- fuck like what like what do you have to be like doing on a day-to-day to like come up with shit like that because it was like it was just like really hectic shit i like i don't think you can yeah. even find that shit anymore but um <clears throat> in fact i actually tempted to prior to this because i wanted to suss out some of those song titles <laughs> you fucking wow nerd what frost worm part one and two Bro, you know what's so sick about that is that they just recently released classic wow like a year ago and me and david have been playing it and yeah. like in like two weeks they're literally about to release that raid so like those songs that i wrote when i was like <laughs> 15 16 when like classic wow was like a thing and i thought those like i never even did those raids as a kid i just thought that like they looked so cool i was like so bad at that game when i was a kid but like now they're coming out and me and david are like gonna like play it together like but this time we're actually like killing it we're like really good at the game because we're way older and our brains are switched on now you play games so like that's adults. crazy <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck that's i mean yeah that that but that like listening back to that and i was like what the fuck and then like you know obviously like as you progress like you know the songwriting got better and better and like i don't know i feel like kind of right now i mean i don't know if you've listened to any other episodes of the pod but like you get brought up a fair bit because i've talked with a bunch of people that have worked with you um right and, like everyone's yeah. got like this same kind of ethos like yeah this guy fucking writes the shit out of songs because every time that we bring a song he makes it better when you know when we leave and i think that's like just a testament to the fact that you've put in you know your whole life into you know, making mm. fucking music. So. <clears throat> cool. So that kind of brings us. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I was just, I was just gonna say, like, there's, there's something that I've noticed with some people. Like, you ever watch someone that's like, I mean, like, look, Call of Duty is a perfect example. Like, I grew up playing a bunch of first-person shooter games, right? But like, there's some kids, like, or mates that I play with in Call of Duty. And they just fucking rinse me. Like, I can't even, like, like, oh, like, Ben from Tapestry, Ben Masters, I never played Halo growing up. And one night we were at his, we are just, like, drunk as fuck. And he's like, yo, do you want to, like, verse on Halo? I was like, yeah, I never played it. I was like, but it's a first-person shooter, it'd be good. He rinsed me, like, two games in a row, like, 20 to nothing. I couldn't <laughs> even kill him. And I was like, what? And he's like, bro, I just played it all day, every day. And I'm looking at him, I'm, like, watching his screen, I'm like... 
He's not even doing anything fancy, really. And he's just, like, drunk off his fucking face. Just like, heart dead. Heart, you're dead again, bro. Eat my ass. Like, and he's just, like, fucking around. And then, like... (laughs) I'll, like, have people, like, make comments in the studio and they're just like, bro, like, watching you edit guitars is, like, the most cooked shit. Or, like, when you listen to a song and you'd be like, oh, you just put in something like this and I just write in, like, 20 seconds. And they're like, what the fuck? I was mm. like, but when you do anything for so long, it's like, to people that don't do it, it seems so impressive. So, like, when, like, all these, like, I'm sure any other producer or, like, songwriter that would would have heard, like, a version that's, like, before I wrote on the song and after... That has like say like Scotty from Elf Wolf. He's he's a great writer as well. Like I'm sure like he would have heard it and been like oh, I would have done similar shit. And so for him it may not have seemed something fancy because he does it all day every day as well. Yeah. But I think for a lot of clients because they because like people can still write cool shit regardless of how long you've been doing it. But because their brain's not wired in that way, they think it's like really impressive. So I think sometimes people like blow smoke up my ass and try to give me credit for things that it's like not that impressive it's not like i've created a masterpiece i think it's It's just just like like because i think because it comes so naturally they think it's impressive because it takes me like 10 minutes to do it they're like Mm. oh it's crazy but like it's not to to me i don't really find it that impressive for anyone that actually can write songs on that level i think it's pretty standard yeah it's almost like it's your 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 job you know (laughs) yeah bro it's like i do it all day every day it's funny like (laughs) it it, it, like similar to that thing where like if you go to like a, a job site and like someone's doing brick lane um and like you try like if you've ever tried like lay bricks like it's actually really fucking hard to do a good job of that. And it's like, you see these cunts just like fucking putting up like row after row in like seconds and they're all perfect. And it's like, oh, yeah. dude, that's crazy. How do you do that? It's like, oh, you know, like 10 years of practice. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, 100%, man, 100%. And I mean, look, I'm not trying to take away anything from anyone for any cool skill that they have. I'm just saying that all other like- skills are like not as equivalent to what you do. <laughs> Bro, a hundred percent, bro. Like no one is on my level, dog. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Let's let's move along. I'll stop fucking tangenting <laughs> on random philosophical shit I think about and you think about with brick laying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The reason why I think about brick laying is because I love bricks, bro. No. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Moving on. <laughs> sorry, 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 dude. We we knew this was gonna happen. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Thank God for fucking editing, which I will do none of because this is all gold. It's all content. <laughs> um, cool. So we kind of like got up to the point where you're like sixteen, and like Bellhaven was starting to kick off. When like when did you guys come up with a name? Because I imagine you had names before that. And like one of the things I like to ask is what is like the most fucking garbage names that you came up as a kid? What was Bellhaven before Bellhaven? Okay, so I think the the version right before Bellhaven, which was like we got the lineup that we were that where I was like, oh shit, we can like play shows and stuff. Like everyone can play their instruments and like we're actually like recording stuff with like engineers and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure the the the, the band name before we changed it was Facing Fake Help. Which very like classic like emo thing, yeah, like two thousands like emo thing, and we like I had like when 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 song names weren't like um somewhat of Warcraft inspired thing. A lot of the earlier songs I wrote because I loved Fallout Boy, like they were one of my favorite bands for, like three years of my life, um, and they're still one of my favorite bands now. And like the new stuff's cool, but like I just love that punk 
emo pop punk thing they did. It was just like, it just resonated with me as a kid because I'd fucking just loved feelings and thinking about girls that didn't love me. <laughs> having whiny voices. Unable to socialize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like, oh, at least my guitar loves me kind of thing. Um, and so I, I, I like wrote this song that had blast beats, right? But it had a title that was like, uh, I wrote this song for Claire when she left to go back to her home country or something. Yeah. Like, just, like, those stupid, like, it was terrible. There was, there was like, some that were, like, kind of funny and, like, tongue-in-cheek, cool, like, oh, it's actually kind of a smart concept kind mm. of thing. But it's, like, a lot of them were just, like, what the fuck was I doing? And, like, the way I came up with the Facing Fake Help name was, like, I was on one of those, like, random name generators. Yeah. And I typed in, like, it was, like, something stupid. Like, I typed in banana or something. And it just had all these, it would just chuck words in front of and behind banana. And you could choose how many words you wanted it to be. It was, like, a random band name generator. And one of the names was Facing Fake Bananas. And I was, like, bro, I was, like... That's kind of sick. Like, if we can do facing fake something, and we're like, oh, what's like an emo thing? And so we made it facing fake help with like a hospital sign behind the logo. That was like the thing, facing oh. fake help. And because we thought it was like, I mean, like, dude, like me growing up, never experienced any mental health shit. It was like that classic, like, I mean, like, David has, like, since a young age, mm. obviously struggled with it. But personally, I never, like, I couldn't, like, I could grasp the concept of being sad and not being, like, depressed. So it was kind of like, looking back, it's like so, like, classic cringe teenager like yeah i'm so sad but just because you think it's like cool to be yeah, sad dude, the so all these super sad yeah it's just like the thing like and now it's like oh dude it's so bad but like as a kid that was just like all i knew mm. so i would just like well oh, it looks sad and looks emo so it's dope and then when like we started like we were like oh it's gonna be a thing and like i had enough people that were like yo like this music you write's sick and we have vocalists and like we got a band we can play shows like we're good enough it was like Dan, who was the newest member at the time, but he was also like the big like driving force of like, let's act because he, he was already in a band that had played shows. He's like a little bit older. Um, I think he's like 31 now or something. So mm. he's like a little bit older than us, but he's not like crazy old. Um, and he was like, I know I'm the new member, but I think the band name sucks, but I loved it. And so what had <laughs> happened was like, because like the band is like, I'd been making it for like five years at that time. It was like my baby mm. and I was so like, so in control. They knew that they could only get me to change the band name if they had a better alternative. Mm. And so instead of being like, we don't like the band name, we're going to change it. They didn't tell me. They just called me one day like super high. They used to just go to this house and just get really high. And what they did was they were talking about how the band name sucked. And they were like, let's just spend time like reading books and like looking for inspiration. We'll just come up with a band name. And there was like some book at this at this share house they had that was like... Um, murder mystery case things like it was some like i don't know something and so they were just like reading shit and dan got caught in like this what well, this is my understanding of the story i wasn't there but this is like from what i remember from what they told me and it was like dan got caught in this book and it was like the story of martha moxley which is like i don't know exactly how it happened but it was something like I don't know when, like 30, 40 years ago in like the town of Belhaven in I think Virginia and uh this this girl had been, Martha Moxley, I think had been sexually assaulted and killed and it was by the mayor's son or something at the time, but it, because it was such a thing and it was still like, obviously it's like 
post-slavery, but it's still like, there's still a lot of racism in like the 70s and 60s and stuff. It was still very like strong. I mean, yeah. I wasn't alive, but that's my understanding. Um, and there was a big like difference between like upper class and lower class. And it was like, because like the mayor's son, they basically covered it up and did this huge thing and blamed it on some like lower class black guy. And um, then what happened was he got put in prison and it wasn't until like, I don't know how many years later, like five to 25 years or something where de- like fingerprint testing and, D- and DNA testing became a thing that the guy's lawyer reopened the case and was like, you need to test this stuff for the DNA against this, this guy. It's not going to match. And of course it didn't match his DNA. And it came out that it was like, the mayor's son at the time, who was now like the mayor or something like that. And then so this guy just gets, after like 20 years in prison, he just gets let out of prison and they're like, oh, here's like $100,000. And he's like, dude, I was just in prison for like 20 years for something I didn't do purely because I was like a poor guy and, oh. and, and I was an easy target by rich people. And like, so they saw that story and they were like, and so Dan was like, David, bro, you got to read this. And they're just like, that's so fucked up, man. And they're like real cooked, like classic, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. bro, that's like, that's such bro, a fucked up thing to happen. Society. What the fuck? Bro, bro, yeah. And it was just like, they're just like freaking out. And then Dan's like, Bellhaven would be a sick band name. And they were like, yeah. And so they told me, they called me and told me. And I was like, at first, David was like, yo, we don't really like the band name. We want to change to Bellhaven. I was like, Bellhaven, what the fuck is that? And then David's like, wait, I'll put Dan on the phone and he can explain it to you. So Dan's, Dan's like, hey, bro, sorry about the song, na- the, uh, about the band name thing, but listen to this story. So I sit there for like 15 minutes, he tells me this story and I was like, yeah, it's actually kind of cool. Like the story <laughs> behind it made me think it was cool. I was like, because it's such a fucked up story. Yeah. And of course there was, there was, there was already a band that was called like, the murder of Martha Moxley or something. Mm. And so we were like, well, let's not use Martha Moxley. And we're just like, we'll just do the town that it was in. And it was literally that there was, but, but then it kind of became, we, in the early years and still even a bit recently, like we had this really strong thing about like music is like a family because it brings people together. And like, there's no show if there's no audience. So it was like, we, we had this thing about like family in a safe space, which is still a, thing today but it was kind of like almost like a weird cult following thing back in the day yeah like um, an identity for the band yeah exactly um and so it also worked really well with the name because like i guess you could kind of simplify bell haven as like beautiful safe place mm. so it was kind of like this concept of shows it just kind of like tied together in like a weird <laughs> way just ironically, like accidentally <laughs> it's just like yeah a beautiful safe place where some bitch got fucking murked bro bro yeah it's bro yeah oh, but man. yeah so that was that was how the thing came about but i don't i don't like long story short before bell haven i don't remember a lot of the names of the group mm. except for facing fake help i think there was one more before that but i don't remember what it was it'll yeah. be one of those things that i just like find it one day on like some old like 256 meg usb at my dad's place that has like year 2007 guitar pro four files and it'll be like some song name and it'll say the old band name and i'll be like damn that's what the band name was like but as as far as I remember, it was really just facing fake help prior to Bellhaven. And then we, we were all just like, that's a sick name. And it just stuck. And then, because I guess it was kind of like, not the verb, the noun, or I, blah, blah, blah. Like like yeah. every band was in like 2010, like the medical bands. Well, I think it kind of stood up. out. It's definitely helped. Yeah, I mean, time. it's still, yeah. 
Like, it's not I mean, it's it's so weird. Like, um, it's also funny how like the bands obviously change sound a lot, but it's but it's interesting how like there's people that think that people that aren't as like. Obviously, there's people that love the band and they want to go back and listen to the early discography, or they're like, "Yo, they were a band prior to like, say like Ymeb. Like, you mean everything between was like a big break for the band in that like we were like we originally got like popularity as like a metalcore band, and then we became that weird chariot band. We kind of got popular as that, and then we became like I was like, well, we always wanted to be like a metalcore slash post hardcore band, and we were doing that good. So why don't we just do that like because i still love that music and everyone's like yeah so we just did you mean everything between is trying to do like a less metalcore and more like developed version of ymeb but there's people that think that you mean everything between is like one of the first releases from Bellhaven. they don't know about the whole like five years prior with like two metalcore eps and like uh, uh, like there's there's like People think that You Mean Everything Between is, like, the first album we did. Like, I've seen some, like, reviews, like, their debut album. I'm like, bro, this is our second you, album, You, you advertise like, it as sophomore, like, that was... That yeah, was like and thing. people, like, first album, and it's like, bro, like, it's not the first album. This band has been through, so like, so many member changes as well. Yeah, man. dude. And it's just, it's just, I mean, like, Ocean Grove's been around just as long, but, like, yeah. they changed drastically as well. Like, early, like, 2011 Ocean Grove is, like, genty metalcore. It's nothing like it is yeah, now. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things like those people that think that Bellhaven became a band in like 2015, 2016, mm. like when they hear the name Bellhaven, they don't think it's like a cringy band name. Like, as you said, like it still isn't like, it's still held up over time. It hasn't become like, oh, well, I guess that was like a 2010 metalcore band. Like it still works now. I, re- I reckon people might pick up on that. If you bring back that like deathcore font logo. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, man, oh, man, I don't like... Logos are hard, man. I'm just like I like not the current aesthetic. The, the current aesthetic's really good. I think it, yeah. I think it matches. I, mean, I think it's good. I think the new stuff is like it's 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 hard, man. Like or I've I've always been just like such a sucker for like I love music and I think stuff's cool or it's not. So I struggle a bit with like band politics of like and like the concept of like imagery and people dressing a specific way. I mean, I have nothing against it at all. Like I think like Alf Wool, for example, is so sick and like Bloom and bands like that. Like they all like have the same aesthetic and the vibe. So, like I love it because it, it's so sick to me. But like Cases, I yeah. always struggled with like trying to do it because I've always just been such an avid lover of music that I didn't know what most, like most of the bands I listened to, I had no idea what any of the members looked like. I just wasn't one of those guys. So now as I've gotten into like my mid twenties, it's just like, I don't like, I still struggle to think about it. I mean, it's taken a long time to, oh, (laughs) (laughs) that fucking massive half shape head. fucking, Half weird, balding mullet bullshit. Fuck, dude. I literally was talking to the guys yesterday. We 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 did a photo shoot for some new music yesterday. Because mm. um, obviously, got to do that like press release stuff. Mm. And um, we're hanging out, and something got brought up. Oh, and we were talking about like how things become normal after you spend a lot of time with it, kind of thing. And I was like, like, and I was saying how when like when David first cut his hair, he had that crazy long hair. When he first cut it, I was like. That is the worst haircut I've ever seen. And then two months later, I looked at a photo of him with long hair and I was like, that is so dumb. How did I ever let him have that hair? Yeah. But then I look at photos of me with a shaved head and I'm like, 
I had this for like three years. Why and did no one say, bro? <laughs> oh, bro, it's just like, I think people, I think my friends liked that I don't give a fuck and they just yeah. took advantage of it to just be like, well, it's kind of sick because his haircut just shows that he doesn't fucking care. Like, so if like everyone was like, bro, you should shave your head, it's sick. And I did it. And everyone was like, yeah, it's cool. I just be like, I don't fucking care. I just don't have any hair now. I mean, like, you did the same thing, bro. You just shaved your head and you're like, it's sick. I just shaved my fucking head. Who cares? Yeah, dude. Skin at hours. It's all good. <laughs> anyway, but, um, I can't remember how I got on the tangent of hair. I'm sorry, dude. No, don't fucking... Actually, no. Apologize. Fucking get on your knees, bro. This is, this is a podcast. <laughs> this isn't some kind of uh, candy bar social. Come on. Settle, settle down. Um... <laughs> I can have a sip of my drink, real professional-like. Um, <coughs> cool. So, I think we kind of like covered off like the really early years. Um, and then, I guess, I don't know, you guys kind of got out of high school playing like some of those early shows and stuff. Um, and I guess shortly after that came Onus, I'm guessing. Yeah, Onus. Onus was still something I wrote in year 11. So, like, still it came out. Yeah, it's like I... So, I, I, I wrote that record, well, majority of it, except for, like, one song, like, three years prior to its release. So, that was still, like, I had so many songs I'd wrote that I thought were good enough to be, like, released. Mm. So, i just written songs for so long that it was just, like, I was just, like, when can we record new music? Which is different to me now. Like, what, Better Half's EP came out, like, two years ago, bro? Like, there was three years between the first two singles and the first EP. Like, I'm so much worse at it now. But I just had so much music that I wrote. So, yeah, Onus was, like, the second EP. It was, like, the second phase. Yeah, yeah. And so, doing that... I, so, with the first record, was that, like, DIY or, ha- like, how'd you record that? So, that was, like, I had no job. And actually, no, it's, that's not true. I had a job. I worked at a pizza restaurant at, like, below minimum wage with David for, like, three shifts a week Hell and I had no yeah. car, had no money. I just played games still. I wasn't studying. Was I finished high school. And so we were just like, well, we can't afford recording. So, and then we had Tom who's now in the band. He plays bass at Bellhaven now, but at the time he was just like a high school friend of Dan, the original bassist and Mitch, the original lead guitarist. He was like a high school friend. And he was studying and he'd been studying audio engineering at TAFE. So he was like, oh, I'll do it for free. But then it took like super long and we always wanted to change things. And then he was like, guys, we I've spent so much time on this. Like, surely pay me something. Um, and at the end of the day, we were like, like, this is like a big joke now, now that Tom's in the band. And like, Tom is a way better audio engineer now. Like, he like engineers all the Beach Panic stuff. And I get the files. I'm like, I can't believe it's the same guy that did like the first Bellhaven EP, like... 10 fucking years ago or something like yeah um but so it was like a home jobby but it was like it was diy and it was just like a friend of the band and that like anyone could be a friend of the band but it wasn't like we did it ourselves we did it with a guy that we knew was an audio engineer um and then onus was um callan or um who's still does stuff now like me and callan are good friends now he he actually did some work um he did some post-production on the new Bellhaven record that we finished now. And we're just like waiting for COVID to stop ruining the music industry. Um, and he like did post post-production on that. So like me and Callan still talk, we're not like best mates, but we're still like good friends in terms of, like the audio thing. Yeah. So he, yeah. So he did onus and like, of course that was like, 
cost us actual money, but for us, like the, the, the quality difference from like onus to like chapter, so from chapter zero to onus was like, task was like insane, dude. Mm, mm. It was like, like, su- like such a cool thing. But yeah, to answer your original short question, chapter zero was DIY to a degree. It was like, dude, it cost us like $400. We paid Tom $400. Like, and look, fucking nothing. If I'm honest, bro, he kind of like owes it back to you guys. We got him into the band. I feel like he should pay that back. It's only fair. Bro, yeah. He, he, he fully owes me my like $80 cut from that shit, bro. Because <laughs> <laughs> back then you had like six members or some shit, right? Yeah, yeah, because it was a keyboard player as well. Oh, sorry, my, my math's wrong. It's probably like 60, 70 bucks or something. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going to so, message him like after this and be like, bro, where's my 70 bucks? Yeah, dude, don't worry. Like, if you need someone to like go staunch, I can staunch. It's all good. Um, yeah, you're my dead collector. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I guess in that first instance, because um, I, I guess you're like an audio engineer, so like now so it's like back then i'm guessing you didn't really have any inkling to like do any kind of recording shit you're just like yeah fuck let's just make some music bro i'm i'm ready let's go no actually um the funny thing about being like being a full-time like proper like living off being an audio engineer thing is when i finished like when i was finishing high school you know high schools have those like career counselors they're generally like we just called her like a career lady i can't remember her name yeah yeah she would she would always meet with like the students throughout the year and like see what subjects they were studying or what they were doing really well in and try to figure out what they wanted to do after high school and mine was always just like i was sleeping in class like i i wasn't like a huge rebel kid but i just I kind of had that, you know, parents always say that thing to you like, oh, you don't realize how good you got it at school. Like I noticed like it like clicked halfway through 11, sorry, year 11, how good I had it in school. Like didn't have to work. My parents paid for anything. I just had to go to school, pass, and then I could see my mates like in the afternoons and like Mm. just listen to music in class. Like it, it like clicked. So I just didn't try at school. I like just tried to pass like bare minimum, just pass. Um, and I was really good at school. Like I was, I'm, I'm actually like, it's, it seems so weird, but it's like, I'm really good at like math. Like I could probably go back to uni and do math and do some crazy shit in like some science fucking engineering thing, but I just don't like it. Yeah. Um, and so when these career ladies would be like, Oh, what do you want to do? I was like, I like playing guitar. <laughs> like I just, I didn't care. I just liked video games and playing guitar. And of course, mm. back then, this was like 2010. So the the video game thing, there was no like, uh, like there, there may have been Steam, but it was like super early years. There wasn't like, oh, you could work for like an indie gaming company. It was nothing like that. Mm. It was just like, well, I guess you could do something in music. And they're like, oh, we well, should do music theory. I was like, Nah, fuck music theory, dude. Like, I can already write songs. Bro, I don't know that. Like, riffs just, already. I don't just, need theory. Yeah, bro. I was like, I was like, it seems like I'm going backwards. So I was like, nah. And then they're like, oh, audio engineering. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. But then after like having spent time in the studio doing stuff with Tom and like going to like the open days, I was like, this looks so boring. Yeah. You just like, I was like, you're just doing, you're just playing the same riff over and over again. There's no like emotional enjoyment from the music. You're just like running through a process. And like, we had a friend that, I don't know if it's still the same, but we had a, like a family friend that actually owned a, um, owned a recording studio in Hurstbridge. Um, and it was like one of those like, B-list studio. So he would do pre-production. I think he did 
a demo, like a like he engineered like a writing session for Mick Jagger. And so he has a photo of him with with, with Mick Jagger. And so That's he crazy. never like recorded, mixed and like released anything, but he was like that kind of studio where you could be like, yo, we're in this area, we're in Melbourne, we need a studio that's not like really expensive and we need someone that knows their shit that can just like man the board while we write ideas. Yeah, so, so he board. like had, yeah, so yeah, so he like had a reputation of like he knew what he was doing. And so he was like a teacher at some TAFEs and u- universities. And um, he was very much like, he was like, look, like, he's like, because you're like a family friend, like, I'm going to tell you, like, they make us sign things before you start teaching at TAFE. This, this was at least for the ones that he'd worked at. I don't know if it's still a thing now. But you had to sign, like, an NDA that was saying, like, you can't tell these kids that the chance of having a successful career of being an audio engineer is, like, less than 5%. Like, less than 5% of people that study the course can actually live off being an audio engineer because there's just, like... It's just, like, such a weird, like, job. It's a niche. That it's, like, people just draw... Yeah, it's just such a niche thing. I mean, like, there's still people that do it, and there's lots of people that are capable in terms of, like, the technical aspect, but, like, the emotional and, like, work ethic thing is, like, a whole other thing. Um, And so, he was, like, look, like, if he's not into it, don't do it, man. And so, I was just, like, nah, fuck that. So, when I finished high school, I was doing nothing. I was doing nothing. So, then... When we recorded with Callan, I remember when we recorded with Callan, Mitch, who's like now like loaded, he quit the band, he studies engineering, like he's like that full like brainiac kid that just like plays video games, rakes in cash, he's like really fit, really intelligent, like he just kills it, he's so good. Yeah. He was like, he was like watching Callan record, he's like, bro, we could literally do this ourselves. He's like, I'm just watching him do it and he's and he's like being that that, that guy that's like, oh, the guitar tones yeah. are kind of shit, like, yeah, shit guitar tones, like, and he was always like, it needs more mids. He was like, that guy's like, can we put more mids in the guitar tone, like stuff like that. Um, and then, so after we did that, a few months later, um, he was like, got all these cracked plugins. Like he had like superior drummer, some like pod farm guitar crack, like all these crack things. And like every few days we'd go to Mitch's house and we'd have like a writing session combined with like trying to figure out how to make the plugins sound good. And then of course, cause I was doing nothing. He was studying and working. He didn't have much time, but I was doing nothing. So this was like, I was like 18, 19. And so I would go home and just like, sit on Google and like try to understand how these like how like superior drummer worked, how MIDI drums worked, like how you like make a guitar tone sound good like within a mix and like how to do like how to do all these things. Like I was like trying to Google basics. And after like I don't know what the period of time was, like maybe like two to four weeks, every few days, like a week, we'd go over there and we'd be writing. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, I figured this like I like researched like researched this by the way like i'd like just read it on google and i'd show him and after like three or four weeks of me coming in and like making it kind of sound better this like template we had for writing like one time i turned up and he's like oh i got something for you by the way it was like a usb stick and he'd given me all the cracked plugins yeah and he was like and he was like He's like, you should just do it at your house on your laptop he's like just buy like a hundred dollar interface and just like then you have the stuff that you can just practice by yourself at home. And so I wasn't like, I wasn't doing, I wasn't trying to you learn to do it because like, I- <laughs> Specifically was like, nah, fuck that. But then just did like all yeah, the yeah. steps I was to like, good at it. Yeah, yeah, realizing. exactly. <laughs> I like, 
But, like, I bypassed the paying 40k to, like, get credentials to learn, like, a third of what I know now. Like, I bypassed that whole uni bullshit. And so then after a while, like, what would happen was, because I had this way of demoing now, the Better Than Guitar Pro, I would just, like, write so many riffs and, like, ideas. And, like, what, what would happen is, like, every time the guys were, like, nah, 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 any, like, no riff, I just post, like, the Mediafire, because Mediafire was the thing. Mm. I just post, like, the Mediafire link on my Facebook being, like, this is another riff that I wrote for Bellhaven that we're not using, so I thought I'd just post it here. Until eventually some guy was, like, hey, man, can you, like, record my band's demo? I was, like... Yeah, I got nothing else to do. And he's like, how much do you want for it? And I was like, you're going to pay me to do your demo? And I, I, I like remember going out to my mum and was like, yo, someone wants me to pay me to like, someone wants to pay me to record their demo. Mum's like, that's sick. And I was like, well, my my mum wouldn't say that's sick, but she was like, that's really cool, Chrissy or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, mummy. Just fucking pat and your then, head um, after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was like, I was like, how much should I like quote them? And mum's like- well, how much does, like, a normal person quote that's, like, does, like, a lot of work in the local scene? And, like, all I really knew was Declan White. Mm. And so, he was charging, like, $200 a song or something back then. So, I was, like, uh, $100 a song. And they're, like, yeah, sick. So, there's, like, a bunch of, like, 17 to 21-year-olds just, like, paying me, like, 50 bucks each to, like, a three-track demo. And it took me, like... Dude, it was insane. I spent four days tracking three songs really poorly as well. I didn't know about guitar editing. And then afterwards, it took me like two weeks to mix it. I had to like learn how to use Maladine. I had like all these broken cracks of all these things. Like, because I was this poor kid, I couldn't afford stuff. Mm. And so I had like this like $1,000 vocal tuning thing that didn't work. I was Googling how to like mix vocals and stuff. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was like stressing my brain out like, oh man, they paid me all this money and it's going to sound like shit. And then I sent the first mix and like, dude, this is amazing. And Mm. they posted it. And I just remember like people being like, damn, Chris Vernon from Bellhaven's like an audio engineer. That's sick. I'm going to go work with him. And suddenly I did like, <laughs> like suddenly like a week after release, I'm booked to do like three EPs with like all these local bands. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm like charging like a little bit more, like not much more. Mm. Um, and so I was doing these three EPs and I had to tell the pizza restaurant I was working. I was like, yo, I can't work for like six weeks. I have another job. And it was paying <laughs> me like, I I've, I was making like $2 an hour doing audio engineering. But yeah. like, I was like 19. I had, or like 19, 20. I had no expenses. Yeah. Um, And it just like, was like an up and down process for ages. And then obviously, as I got a bit older, like in like my early 20s, like mid 20s, it was a bit like my parents were like, you need to sort your shit. Like you can't be making 15K a year and borrowing like $10,000 from your brother to do band related stuff. Like I I owed my parents like at one point I had like $22,000 in debt to my family members for like music stuff. Mm. And my dad was just like, you need to sort your shit. So I was very much like my, my dad was like, you need to get another job. And my mum was like, well, you need to do something. And I was like, Fuck that. I'm not getting a fucking another job. Like, I hate working at the pizza restaurant. I hate to work for people because they just have shit attitudes. And I met Jay Mars from Defeater, who's, like, a really, like, super successful audio engineer. Yeah. And, like, watching him work and, like, asking him questions, I was like, 
I could easily be making like minimum wage doing audio. Just like the business side was like not there. Yeah. My like mindset of the whole thing was not there. It was just all about like the music. There was no business mind thing. Yeah, so it's like, oh yeah, let's put f- this in. Also, um, you can afford like 20 bucks. Yeah, sure, that'll do. Let's just like make this music. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was so just like, I would like quote a band and they're like, oh, we can't afford it. So I just be like, oh, I'll take, I'll take 500 bucks off. Like I just didn't care. Yeah. And there was no concept of like, time management like how like there was no like like if i quoted a band like 200 bucks for a song right like three 300 bucks for a song like now i work on like a day rate it was like three like 300 bucks for a song they'd just be like we'd spend five days working on one song Mm. and it's like that's dumb dude like (laughs) you don't need five days to do a song Mm. one i didn't know like i had no concept because i wasn't being paid by the hour had no concept of time management we track for two hours then play video games for three hours and eat pizza for an hour and then like laugh about shitty porn videos for half an hour then track (laughs) and then it'll be like 2 a.m and we'll be doing vocals and the neighbors would be yelling and shit like I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And so just that basic shit suddenly like in the space of like six months, I was like, ah, oh, I make minimum wage now. Like literally six just months after like, meeting Jay Mars. Yeah. like having just two like- seconds of being like, oh, I actually need to like put some thought into like the business structure. Yeah. Like you, like you had yeah, like all 100%. this work, all the experience, all the client base, you had like all the ingredients and it's just like, that's like that one thing you needed to like yeah. actually make it a job. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I definitely had the work ethic, dude. Like, I was doing, like, 80-hour weeks. Mm. And I was making, like... I remember once, like, someone told me I was charging too much. And I was like, dude, I charge $3.50 an hour. Yeah. Like, if you average, like... I was like, I'm not charging too much. Like, I just shit. Like, I waste time. The bands aren't good. I don't know how to, like, get the band in line. I don't know how to get them focused. Mm. It was just, like, that little change. And then, like, when I realized that was a big thing... It was like, I became so focused on like the mindset and about like, some people think it's kind of like a, like a lame self-help thing, but it's like, I was very focused on like serving the artist and realizing that like, it's the band's project. It's not my project. And I always use the analogy. I'm sure you've probably heard me say it before. Is like, if you pay someone to come and build your veranda on your house and then the guy's like, by the way, I like added two extra poles to it and made it like two meters wider. You'd be like, I didn't want that. And then like, but, but, but then the builder's like, but I thought it looked better. I was like, I shouldn't be being like, well, I think this song's better this way. And I think that the mix sounds better this way. So fuck what you think. It was all about what the client wanted. And then I was doing things like I'd send a band like a second mix and they'd be like, perfect. And then I'd spend another two weeks mixing it, even though they were <laughs> happy with it. So I, I just, I just learned to be like, the band is happy. I was like, you're sure you're happy. And they're like, yep. And I was like, there's the final. And then I was like, I have a whole two weeks free now to do to track another EP yeah. and then mix it. And suddenly I was like, I can do so much more work that the clients get the fucking projects faster. I make more money. No one loses. Like everyone's happy. And then so suddenly oh, that, that just was just like that classic dumb. I mean, I wasn't happy because I thought because I thought the yeah, mixes I was sucked say, ass. I was gonna say like the things <laughs> of those poor artists with their like half baked fucking mixes, bro. Like honestly. <laughs> But it just became that domino effect of like, stop overthinking it. 99% of people just hear the song. And if it doesn't sound like yeah. trash, they think it's good. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, I just tumbled. And then, of course, over time, it's weird, but you have more free time 
to fuck around. So you actually become a better mixing engineer, a better engineer, because you have, you make more money, you have better time control, you have more time to do things you want. So you're not like burnt out and you have more time to fuck around. So you just become better overall, literally from just like the mindset thing. So funny you say that because you got all this spare time you're talking about, but where's those fucking better half records? (laughs) <laughs> Bro, that has become MVD razzed me so hard like two days ago and it was such a fair and such a good razz man it was like because I saw Joel the next day because Joel shot the photos for the promo shoot for Bellhaven yeah. and he and we were just like fair like fair cool because I literally was like I was like, I know you wanted these finals two months ago. I know the deadline was two months ago. And I hate when people can't deliver on deadlines, but I know it was two months ago, but I actually set aside the day to finish it. I was like, so if I don't finish it today, it'll be sometime this week because I will only have a little bit left. And then he wakes up like two hours later and replies with, I'll believe it when I see it, cunt. <laughs> and I was like, and I was just like, Fair call, bro. Like, <laughs> completely fair. Like, I'm not going to be like, that's a bit rude. I was just like, fully fair. Like, no judgment. <laughs> like, I'm totally in the wrong here. Like, I have no leg to stand on. Like, this should have been done ages ago. Oh, fuck. But classic case of like, classic case of like, the COVID blues of just like, would like sleep weird hours, would just eat sh- like crap food, put on weight, wouldn't exercise. And then I go to sing and I was like, my voice is not working. It's my, my nose is clocked from, f- I mean, like, as I said to you before, eating so much dairy and it's just like, yeah, just I just can't of cheese. sing. Oh, dude, just like, <laughs> and then I'd, I'd just be like, I'd be like, well, my voice sounds like shit. So I guess today's not the day. And then like a few days later, I'd be like, well, I'd put on two kilos since then and like I can't even stand up so I guess today's not the day and it would just get postponed and postponed I'd always have this like dumb reason to not do it purely because like I didn't feel it like with my body on the day even though I wanted to do it yeah and it just got to the point where MVD was just like dude like the thing that you're hearing that you think sounds bad only like one to three percent of people will be like, oh, he sounds a bit rougher in the edges on this song. He's like, most people just hear you singing. They don't think about the stuff that you think about. He's like, you're literally an audio engineer. It's your job. You need to chill. So I was like, okay. So I just started like doing it and I was like, sounds like shit, but I sent it to MVD. He's like, dude, like 80% of this is sick. Just redo this line, this line, this line. And it's sick. So the next day I do it. He's like, bro, that song's done. Took you four hours. And I was like, Fuck! I wasted so much time. <laughs> I was like, bro, because we we wrote some of these songs like like six months before the EP released, like mm. the the first EP came out. We wrote some of those songs like so like two and a half years ago, and it's still just like I, I literally have now like half of a song to record. Like that's it. So like next few days, I should have done like the base of it, and then I'll send it to MVD, and then we'll do some revisions, Dude, and then once we're happy- if you had have been like, nah, dog, we'll do the fucking podcast in two weeks and just fucking finish it. Honestly, I'm kind of offended that you're talking to me right now. <laughs> and I'm also just like wasting time going on tangents about random shit as well. It's like, bro, let's get the podcast done, do the better nah, dude, half This is content. We'll this is there. content. We got, we got, <laughs> we got some things in here. We got some sound bites. We got some cancellation material. <laughs> man. Um, okay, cool. So, getting back on track. Um, we're kind of mm. like talking about doing like onus and all that stuff and like how you're doing like audio engineering, like just starting up. So, I'm guessing you kind of like wrapped up doing onus and started like figuring out audio engineering around the same time, yeah? Yeah. It yeah. was like, I did my first paid job 
uh, as an audio engineer three months after we recorded Onus. Okay. Of course, three months seems like a short time for an adult, but when you're a kid that does nothing, three months is a long time. That's like hours and hours of spare time. So, it's like I learned pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, after that, I guess um, we're moving into like the everything ablaze kind of period. And I know you guys got <coughs> signed to Shock Records and like there was like a whole mm. kind of like, you know, situation going on there. So, kind of talk to me about like leading into everything ablaze um, and how you guys kind of got onto jumping in with Matt Goldman. I know, I know some of the story behind it, but- I feel like it's a it's a good story to tell. Do you know the part of like it was a joke emailing Matt yeah, Goldman? Yeah, hundred percent. I know that. Yeah, thing. it's like so. It was just like they were just like we should just like see how much is because we had no idea how much that shit costed. Yeah, like we had no idea, and Goldman was like, "It's that classic thing of like professional American studios. Like, do you have a label?" And we're like, "Nah." And he's like, "And you're from Australia?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So Goldman's guy was like. Okay, we'll do it for 20k US. And we were like, we could probably get that money together. And it went from being like, we'll just get a quote just for the fun of it to like, we could probably do that. And then we were like, that'd be fucking sick. We'll just go to America and do an album with this dude that's done, like, this produced some of our favorite records. Yeah. And so it just was like, we were like, let's save money. And as I said, I lo- I borrowed so much money from my parents because yeah. this was still early. Like, I'd been doing like, by the time we went there, I'd been doing audio as like, I'd been doing paid jobs for like just over a year by the time we went to the States. Yeah. And this was before- So, I still had no money. Yeah, yeah. So, I I, th- I think I made my first year doing audio, I think I made 10 grand from working like 80 hours a week. 10 yeah, grand, Big bro. boy money. Fucking raking it in, dog. But, um- Cool. So you kind of like got that quote, and you're like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it, boys." Ah, uh, you went over, you did the record. Um, doing doing that record, like, so that for you, I guess that would have been like a massive like experience, like working with like who is one of your favorite like you know recording engineers and producers to an extent. Um, how how was that learning experience like for like on the audio engineering side? Like, did, was that like a big eye opener for you, or? Well. The thing with Goldman that I didn't really know when I was younger was like Goldman is an incredible producer. Like he's he's like him as a producer is like insane, dude. Like I wouldn't argue that he's like like no diss to him or Shay because like everyone has their 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 strengths and their weaknesses. But like I wouldn't say that he's a particularly impressive like guitar or bass engineer. I think as a drum engineer and a vocal engineer, he's like insane. Like he's like. I wouldn't say that his vocal tuning's insane, but he's still very good. Like, he's definitely competent. Um, but his vocal producing and engineering and his drum producing and engineering and his overall producing is, like, insane. He just is so, like, no rules, like, let's just fucking try something weird here. Like, and he's he's so... Um, when we worked with Callan, it was, like, you turn up and I mean like I like I run pretty similar kind of business model where it's like turn up at 10 or turn up at nine and the studio goes for seven hours like studio day goes for seven hours like try to stay focused like don't make it too like strict and like just stay focused and don't have fun because you don't want to ruin the vibe of being in the studio you still want to be fun but like Goldman was like so here's like your 30 days you're here 
And the first two days, he didn't even turn up to the studio. On the third day, he turns up at like 7 p.m. and we work till four in the morning. And he's like 40 <laughs> years old and he has like two kids in like high school. And we're just like doing studio sessions to four in the morning and he sleeps on the couch. And his wife calls him like, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm, I fell asleep on the studio couch. Like, And then like- You'd work for like 14 hours the next day. He'd, he'd sleep for three hours. You work 14 hours. And then it'd be the weekend. He'd be like, do you guys want to get burritos? And then we'd go to a burrito restaurant and meet a bunch of his friends. And then like, you'd be at some like shop and then some person would be like, are you Matt Goldman? Can you sign my like, my like phone case? And he's just like, yeah. And he's just some like 40 year old boarding dude. that's just like popular because of like under oath. But like for us, we're like, damn, he's like a mini celebrity in like America because of how big those bands are. Yeah. Because he, cause he, he looks so like, he looks like Matt Goldman. It's hard yeah. to find people that look like, it's a very distinct look. He's like six foot three, like solid, has that crazy beard, the glasses, like, and he's very stoic as well. Mm. Um, and he's just like very kind, but like stoic kind. But his, his thing was so like, the big thing that I learned from him was like less of like an audio engineering thing. And it was still an audio engineering thing, but it was like a producer thing where it was like, um, who cares about the numbers? If it sounds good, it sounds good. Like people listen to music cause they listen to music. They don't listen to the music and go like, Oh, the bass has too much 200 Hertz. He's like, if you listen to something with all the instruments playing and it sounds good, don't touch it. Like it just became this thing of like, stop overthinking it. Um, and even with my vocal tuning, like I, like now, like it's, it's not that I'm like known for my vocal tuning, but I'm like very competent. And it's like, I've done some vocal tuning for like bigger engineers, um, as like a guy. So it's not like I've been pigeonholed as like a vocal tuning guy, but I'm really competent at it. And I've never really had, I've never really outsourced any vocal tuning and been, happy with it like being like this is better than what i can do um and i guess being a singer myself and like spending a lot of time with bad vocalists like bad like that's it's like a pretty intense thing to say but like i've worked with a lot of bad vocalists like especially because i was charging fuck all like yeah making no money By the um, way, thanks for making so, me sound good bro, <laughs> oh, bro, bro. <laughs> man i'm so good with that order you know um and so Goldman's like vocal tuning thing that he taught me was like, I was actually tuning vocals for a band whilst I was in the studio the first time. I was like tuning vocals for an EP. And there was this part on the record where I had a double tracked, um, I don't know what you call it, but it's like a, a ramp. So it'd be like, Duh. like it wouldn't jump up. It would like slowly go across like two semitones. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Matt, how would you tune this? And he's like, oh, can I listen to it? He puts the headphones on and he's like, I wouldn't. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's in tune. And I was like, oh, but it's like, looks a bit out of thing. He's like, yeah. And and then he's like, like, but it sounds in tune. And I was like, oh, what about with the, I was like, yeah, but, but it's like doubled. And he's like, play the double in solo. And he's like, they ramp up at the same time. There's no weird, like obvious edit tune thing. He's like, just leave it. And I was like, just leave it. (laughs) I was like, what do you fucking mean? And then that, and, and that became a time saver as well, because I just be like, what well, sounds good? Like, I'd like put in a bass tone and like, be like distortion on the top end and like clean bottom end and like, just level the volume and be like, oh, the bass is done. Like there mm. was no like, so, and, and, and so he would be like, I'd be like, ha ha, imagine we put a tambourine in here and he'd be like, yeah, let's do it. 
And then we try it and we'd be like, well, that doesn't work. Maybe if we run the tambourine through a microphone into a phaser pedal. And then, we'll, and then he'd be like, here's my hundred weird guitar pedal effects. Let's run it through this tape delay that has an actual tape wheel. And we'd just be like, sick. And sometimes you spend four hours like... We would like reamp this like guitar thing and it'd have this like delay pedal and he'd be like, oh yeah, I figured this trick out once. And he'd just like play it and over a section he'd go with like the delay pedal. And we'd be like, we'd like, because it was live, it wasn't like automated in the session. We'd have to sit there for like 20 minutes trying to get the take of like the pedal effect for the reamping. <laughs> and like, we just get so obsessed on like these weird things. And I was yeah. like- I never do this shit. Mm. Like when it like like when a client's like, oh, I feel like the guitar could do with some reverb. I just be like, I just I'd, I'd go to like my VST thing and be like reverb, smack it on and be like, does that sound like enough? And that was it. There was there there was no like, oh, these are the ten different reverbs I have. Yeah. And then, so when I came back, one of the first records I did when I came back was um, his band from Warrnambool, I think, called Entitlements. Mm. I don't know if you know them. But when they came over, it was it was like this melodic hardcore thing, and they had like a lot of really cl- like cool clean guitar parts. And me and the guitarist Chris would sit there for like an hour per section, and we'd try all these presets on like the four different reverb plugins I had and anyone we liked, we'd write it down on paper and then we'd go through them all. And we'd after like over the space of like an hour, we would narrow down to like what reverb preset we liked the most. And that would be the reverb preset we would use. And every different like clean guitar section had to have a different reverb or different phaser. And like, I listen to it now and I'm like, oh man, I kind of wish I was still charging per song because like the time you have, or more like I wish clients had like, a way bigger budget and booked more time. Because every time I've done projects, like I did an EP with a band last year where they booked six weeks and we basically wrote the whole record together. And I was just like, this is such a, like a tier above, like so much stuff I do with so many bands because they threw the money at it and we set aside the time that it wasn't like, we wouldn't come in every day being like, okay, so we have to get this, this and this done today. It was like, we have six weeks, let's make it sound good. But like, that was like, Eight grand. Some people don't have eight grand to throw at something. Like, and that's that's fair. But you know what's fucked? Eight grand for six weeks is like in the scheme of like, you know, big time producers, that's actually fucking pretty cheap. Um when you think about it. I mean, this was still like this was like a year ago. My rates went up heaves since then. But I still understand what you're saying. Yeah, but like I don't know, like I I find it kind of crazy that like I know, like, you went to Matt and, like, you know, you paid, like, your 20 US, which is, like, closer to 40 mm. Australian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and just, like, had, like, 30 days or whatever. And, like, I don't know, I find that pretty pretty, pretty nuts. It's, like, I know that you can, like, have that experience. And it's, like, people, people are, like, too afraid to, like, spend that money. It's, like, there's a reason why, like, I guess you guys kind of started to like really pick up after doing everything ablaze it's like because you know you actually had like a piece of work that was thoughtful and like had yeah. nuance but yeah. um anyway trying to trying to get back on track i guess with yes like, your yes, career yes, yes. i guess so you guys did the record um <laughs> with matt <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you guys did the record with matt and then you come back um to australia right away or did you play shows did you say how did we play shows? Oh, oh sorry, sorry, I just said um, did you play shows? Did you come? Did you like come straight back home, or did you play shows in the US? Because I know you guys did like a bunch of US shows, but I'm not sure where in the time that that sits. 
No, that was when we went back the second time we played US shows. The first time we tried to hook up like a house show, but it was like we just didn't have time. Like, yeah. Um, but we, no, we didn't play shows, but we we came back and played shows straight away. But it was still just like playing like two new songs and still the same shit that we'd put out like two or three years ago. But yeah. no shows in America the first time in 2013. There was no shows. Okay. So, you guys get back um, and I believe like, you know, somewhere along the line, you guys ended up getting picked up by Shock Records and then you kind of had like mm-hmm. everything kind of blow up. You want to tell me about that story of like getting signed and figuring shit out, putting the shit out and then everything kind of hitting the fan? Um, it's, it's hard. There was like a few things. So, like... <laughs> Yeah, suck it in, bitches. That's all you get. Tune in next time and you can hear the uh, the bigger part. Part two. Buy it now. <laughs> this is betterhalfsong.mp3. Bye. Of myself in an attempt to fix my heart